All right, this is Jared again with Lefty's Precision Rifle Podcast. This is going to be episode number two, and I have a special guest on, Chris Baxter. So, Chris, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm, uh, so I'm the owner of uh, Kansas Arms Supply, small business here in Kansas, selling reloading stuff and uh, some rifle accessories, uh, shooting the Kansas Precision Rifle Club. Um, I'm all, a lot of people don't know this, uh, but I was actually a police officer at one point. Uh, did it full time and part time for about eight years, and then uh, currently uh, in the military. Um, but really, that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. But yeah. all right. And I, I went through mine on the, on episode one. I'm I'm in the military as well, firefighter. Uh, obviously, we're stationed somewhat close to each other. Uh, next, why do you shoot and enjoy precision? rifle competitions and shooting i think mainly because I, I i've always enjoyed outdoors like i enjoy being outdoors uh, camping fishing uh hunting um the thing i enjoy about precision rifle i think is the people and the friendships because i've probably made a ton of new friends since i've done it um everybody's extremely nice and then i think the challenge of shooting precision rifle in the in, in, in always changing conditions. I think it's just, it's a challenge and that's always fun to be uh, challenged. Right. Yeah, it looks like we're going to copy off each other here. So I, I also have the people, um, <laughs> the people are great. Obviously you go out there and you don't have the gear. You ask someone in your squad or someone else, they're going to give you the gear, the challenge as well. I, I like to, to go out and I'm basically shooting against myself more than I'm shooting against other people. I still like the competition and seeing where I rank, but I like the challenge of, of shooting and see where I'm, see where I'm at compared to this year, last year. I can already tell this year that I've been shooting a lot better. I, I can't wait till next year. So I, just, I just think it's going to keep getting better. And the competition piece, I think, is what brings me back. And like you said, the the different conditions. I originally started because I wanted to to be a better hunter. I, I'm I'm hooked on coyote hunting and like to shoot them as far away as I can. And I thought this was going to make me a better. Coyote hunter wall now I'm starting to get to where I like PRS just as much as the hunting piece. So it is twofold. Uh, next one. How long have we known each other? I think I have this right when we met, but I was going to see what you, what you were going with. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking back and I, I think you, you started shooting what, a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, late 17, two, early 18. Yeah. So I think, I think, cause I think we met at a match. Uh, maybe not the first one, but. Some, somewhere in that at the beginning i think we met somewhere in there so it's, yeah probably probably two or three years i think yeah that's, uh, that's what i was thinking I, I was trying to remember and i think the second day of the punisher in 2018 we end up roing together or the stage is real close together yeah i think yeah something like that i think that's when i end up meeting hell we're we work a couple miles apart and didn't even know it and then yeah. Now we know. Now we know we tell it's working. It's all because yeah. of the, the PRS piece. So that's just another part of it. Yeah, Brain, it makes uh, it makes getting uh, stuff to each other really easy. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get into that later. But I think I'm keeping the lights on around around your business. Yeah, yeah. that's all good. So next, I wanted to go into uh, what we're shooting. I'll start this one off for comps and just just other stuff. So. I got into it a little bit in uh, episode one. I'm shooting a straight six BR. Uh, a lot of people ask me why I went that route. I went that route just for for ease of reloading, just reload and go. Um, 
obviously next year I've already talked a little bit about it as well, but I'm, I'm going to uh, six dasher, want to shoot the burger 109s, shooting alpha brass so I can still try and load and go. But I wanted the 109s just for a little bit more win advantage. And I, I shoot them a little faster. I'm shooting a six BR right now, real slow, like 2,800 foot per second with 105s. So I want to bump the speed up a little bit and run those burger 109s get a little bit more win advantage. I uh, also have a 25 Creedmoor that I reload for. It's kind of a backup gun. It's set up the exact same way as my 6BR, same MPA chassis and impact action, different barrel, different scope. I have a Razor Gen 1 on that one instead of the Gen 2. And then I'm getting ready to reload for a 6 Creed. That's going to be my Coyote gun. I want to load up some 75 or 87 grain V-Maxes. And I want to try and push them around 33, 3,400 foot per second. I'll try and make a little coyote laser so I can zap them a ways out there. And then for my uh, other guns, I have a 308 and a 6.5 Creedmoor and a 243 for hunting, but I don't reload for any of those. And I've had a lot of a lot of my friends ask me, you know, why you don't reload for everything? And I, to be honest, I don't shoot the 308, the 6.5 Creed, or the 243 enough to justify buying all the reloading stuff. And I go buy 20 rounds, that's going to last me for the year. I should be shooting it more, but I shoot my comp stuff enough. I think I think I stay adequate with, with the other rifles as well. How about you? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I started out uh, shooting 6.5 Creedmoor, and then I moved from that to uh, 6BRA. Um, shot that for probably a year, year and a half maybe, and then I finished the rest of that year shooting a Dasher. Um, right into the beginning of this year, um, ended up – just recently switching back to BRA, uh, run 109 burgers. Uh, and I also built a 6GT just to play with it. And um, I ended up running a few matches with it. It's, it's, it, shoots, it shoots very well. Um, maybe a little more recoil than the, the BRA or the Dasher. Um, I've really enjoyed both of those. And the GT, I kind of thought I could, you know, dual purpose that, use it for, for hunting and uh, shooting competitions. Um, as far as backup guns I, or other hunting rifles, you know, 308. Uh, I have a 30 out six. I have a 300 wind mag, uh, and I have a 243 also. So um, I used to hunt a lot. I, the last few years, I haven't. I think I've been out maybe once last year deer hunting. Yeah. Um, I need to. I need to get back into that. And I think when I do, I'll probably load up something for the GT to uh, just just use that. That's. I think once. I think the biggest thing is once you go custom rifles, it, it's hard to go back to the stock. <laughs> the stock rivals with stock actions and you know, you, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a way different feeling going back to a rifle and they feel really light too. So, um, but I think the GT would do just fine here in Kansas. Yeah. I think that, on whitetail. So yeah, I think that'd be right. I ended up, yeah, I, I have a 223. I forgot. I, I have a suppressed 223 that I take out coyote hunting. I like that, but I still shoot factory ammo with it. I took my 25 Creed actually to Missouri. I went to buddy's farm in Missouri. And took 25 Creed and, and shot a couple of does with it. So I've used them both ways. I, I didn't have the weight kit in it that I have it now. So it was a little bit lighter, but it's still a 12 pound hunting rifle. We didn't walk very far when I was taking that one. I take my 243. It's an old, all my other guns are either the 6.5 Creed. That's an AR. That's a big frame AR, but otherwise they're all savages. So I, I started out on a budget and we'll get into, we'll get into some of that, the old budget builds, but. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's when I when, if I take this hunt, I'm not walking very far. Most places yeah. I go hunting, it's, I walk from a truck to a blind. You know, a blind that's 
permanently there and yeah, that's sit there and hunt. That's what we are doing in Missouri, too. There wasn't any, which yeah. is pretty cool there. We had no food plot, so we weren't doing any pushing or walking through woods or anything like that. I shot your 6GT. That thing, I don't know, I might be a little jealous that I went Dasher instead of 6GT by the time you get down with your, both of yours are hammering your BRA and your GT. Yeah, they're they're both they're both dialed in pretty well at the moment. Yeah, it's, we'll see how long they stay there. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you got did you get new barrels for both, or you just get a new barrel for your BRA? What do you? Uh, yeah, so I my I shot my my dash barrel shot out. So um, I think the reason I switched back to the BRA is because I had so much brass for it. Um, I had I had that I think it started out with three hundred pieces of alpha, and it's it's hard the alpha brass is hard to get right now. So I think I switched back to the BRA. Um, mainly because I, I have about five to six hundred pieces of brass for a BRA that only had three or four firings on it, and um, so I went ahead and switched back to that just because I had the components. And with all the component shortages and things going on right now, I had the powder and primers and stuff to run the BRA. So it kind of solves two problems right there at once. I mean, I don't have any complaints about a dasher at all, but right now it's come down to component availability on my end. So. And you'd definitely be the one to know to selling all that stuff. I actually, I think I, oh, I didn't know this was coming, but I stockpiled a, well, a bunch of stuff from you. I got a bunch of powder and then I got 5,000 primers that everybody's looking for right now. I think I bought you out that, that last time I bought some from you. So I end up stockpiling all for, for next year already. And I'm, I'm pretty glad I did that because it looks like it's, yeah. it's getting bad that, out there. Yeah. The people that, bulk buy are definitely setting pretty good right now so it's it's uh, i'm not sure when i'm not sure when it's going to get better but with everything that's going on I, it's there's definitely a the logistics issue out there getting stuff to places it needs to be so yeah next one i wanted to just wanted to ask where you think you rate on i'm thinking prs it could be nrl too but prs with the rankings they've got just for the listeners to to realize or to that don't know you to, to see where you rate yourself on that rating scale from amateur marksman semi-pro and pro i think on a if we're talking like a prs two-day match level i think i probably still consider myself you know in that maybe the top tier amateur level just because i haven't shot i haven't shot a lot of two-day matches it's uh i think i've shot two total um i did plan on I did plan on shooting more of them this year, uh, with the, but with the COVID, I mean, uh, the coronavirus stuff going around, it's, it's, kind of, it's really derailed my shooting plan that I had set for this year. So, um, but, you know, on the, I, I'm, I'm definitely probably still in that amateur level only because of my – I have a, a lack of experience on the two-day matches outside of the two that I've shot. So, um, I've shot way more club matches, than, which is kind of where I've, I've focused my – kind of where I focus my time and my practices at the club level the last, you know, since I've started just, just trying to become a better shooter so that when I do start shooting more of those two day matches, I, you know, compete, compete, you know, with the, at least middle of pack or something like yeah. that. But Yeah, I definitely, I definitely consider myself amateur with, I even wrote a little note here that I'd, I'd consider you and the marksman to semi pro just, I've seen you shoot the one days and I, you're, if you ask me, you're going to do the same in the, in the two days. So I think you're definitely going to be mid pack to, to top of the pack. Um, but I think that's, that's part of it to where, um, 
well, there are some people, but most people that I've met in the PRS are humble. Like they're not, you're not going to call yourself a semi-pro or a pro, even though you could be in the semi-pro category. So that's just another piece about the people that enjoy shooting the PRS style stuff, because almost everybody that you shoot with is going to be as humble as you or I, or talk to you, answer all your questions, give you gear like we talked about. So I think you're downplaying it a little bit is, is what it all comes out to you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, you don't shoot a lot of them. It's hard, it's hard to engage yourself. And, um, and I mean, there's, there's some good shooters out there. I mean, there's, there's guys out there that's killing it. So it's, you know, you think, you think it, you see those guys shooting and you look at their, the level they're at and, um, which is where we all want to try to get to. Um, but they, they also put in the time and the practice to get there and it, it shows that they're, they're very good shooters. So, yeah. Sure. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. So it's going to start with what, what we start. So we're talking about what we're shooting now, what, what we started shooting just in general and then precision rifle competitions, like when and, and what you started shooting. So myself, I started with ARs. In fact, I got a little bit into it in uh, episode one. I, I grew up in Iowa and didn't do a whole lot of hunting. I did a lot of bird hunting actually with uh, a family friend and there were pheasants when I was growing up, there was pheasant everywhere. So we were always out pheasant hunting shotguns um at the time in iowa you couldn't even hunt with a rifle it was only shotgun and slug and in fact they, they dropped that back off now but you used to be able to take doe in late january in iowa with a rifle and then i got to alaska and built my couple ars and then re really really stuck to ars until i got back down here i bounced around a little bit with the military and got back down here and got into the precision stuff in fact i started out at a KPRC with that 308 AR that I ended up converting to a 6.5 Creedmoor, but that's how I shot my first few matches was with a 308 AR. So obviously I wish I would have got into it earlier, but when, when did you start? Uh, you grew, well, I'm from Kansas uh, originally. So, I mean, I you grew up in Kansas. Everybody hunts deer. I mean, Kansas is kind of known for, for deer hunting and stuff, but I did a lot of kind of the same as you. I did a lot of pheasant hunting starting out because Kansas used to have an abundance of pheasant. It's kind of, it's kind of died off over the years. And I, I, I can't even tell you the last time I went pheasant hunting. I've kind of, I've kind of just focused recently on, on deer hunt or deer and turkey hunting. It's kind of what I, I've mainly done in the past. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, dad owns some land close to here. And, um, I've been turkey hunting with him a few times and deer hunting out there a few times with him and, um, but yeah, I just, I think I started off with a, with a 308 and I've, I, for a year, that's what a 308 is what I used to deer hunt. Uh, and just standard 12 gauge that I got when I was younger from my, from my dad. But, um, yeah, outside of that, that's, I've done other hunting, obviously like duck and goose hunting and things like that. Just not as never got into that as much as pheasant hunting, turkey hunting and deer hunting here in Kansas. So, but what was your what was your first uh, precision rifle match? You remember what and where? I, I think I think it was one of those. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was one of the uh, one of the prone the all prone match where you shoot the you know the targets at the known distance yardage and you get more points for your first hit or second hit or third hit. And if I remember, if I if I, if I remember the size of the target correctly, I think it's about the size of the sheet of paper, um, and it seemed really easy. You know. 
watching other people do it that have been doing it for a while, it seemed really, it looked really easy um, until, you know, because I, I actually went to a match with just to observe the first time and it was that match. And then they held another one uh, months later after I got, you know, a, a rifle going, which was, you know, definitely a budget bill, we'll put it that way. And then, um, but yeah, you get, you know, when you're brand new to that, you get out five, 600 yards and it's, it's almost a prayer if you hit the target. Cause you, you, don't, you have no idea what you're doing. Um, so it was, it was humbling, I guess, to, but I will say that 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 if you go and do something like that, you're immediately hooked on the sport. So it's that it's all over from there. You're you're in at that point. So yeah, see, I'm pretty pretty sure that was my first match. Yeah, yeah, that's my exact same. So I got here at McConnell in actually thirteen and mid thirteen, but I didn't pick up the precision stuff until probably mid seventeen. And I did the exact same thing. I went out to Conway Led, met Derek Love, went out to Conway Led, come out, asked if I could watch a match, went out, and it was one of the prone. I think they started at 300, went to 300, 800, and then went down west and shot back up to 900 and then 955. But, yeah, one target, the size of a sheet of paper, three, three shots to hit 300 to 700 or something like that, and then you got five shots after that. And I remember going – at this time, I only had that 308 AR. And I remember going, and of course, I know the guys that were shooting now, but y'all laid down up there, you know, five or six of us wide. And all the guys that had been shooting the PRS stuff, obviously this belly stuff ends up being pretty easy for them now. And I've been like, oh, you know, they make it look easy. They were shooting. They weren't even waiting for the next person to say go. They were ringing steel like just boom, 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 boom. And I was like five different guys shooting. It was crazy. I was like, oh, well, they're making this look, they're making this thing look easy. So I went out to the next match. The next match, I think it was actually like December of 17. I took a picture on my phone. I'll try and find it and I'll post it on Facebook. It was 10 degrees outside. So I'm out there shooting with car hearts on. I had hand warmers in my pockets. We're laying up on top of that platform and it's shaking because people are shivering. Like, whose idea was this? And I, I still ended up getting hooked, and it was 10 degrees outside. But, yeah, mine was the exact same thing. I, I went out there for a for a prone match. Like, oh, man, these guys make it look easy. And, yeah, I I think I didn't even make it. That first one, I didn't make it past the 700, and I didn't end up buying back in. You know, we, you pay for your original. I think you could buy back in once at the time. And yeah, I didn't I, buy back in because I was – I was happy I made it past 500 yards. Shooting the 300 yard yeah. target was the furthest I had ever shot. I think I went around. I probably went out around that seven, eight hundred somewhere, and I didn't buy back in because I wasn't even sure how I got that far in the first place. So I did. <laughs> it same here. And I show up. I show up with an AR. Everybody's out there with these fancy bolts, and I I didn't even know. You know, I didn't know what action they were shooting. I didn't know what the stocks were. But then yeah. come to find out, well, some of these guys, you know, have the money in it to buy a, a decent vehicle in their rifles. Now that I know, and I'm, I have this hand-built AR that I built with a, a Gen, I think it was a Gen 1 PST at the time, like, and I, I thought okay. I had a setup, boy, now looking at some of the stuff I got now, and I don't even have the, the great big stuff that, yeah, it was, it was enough to get me hooked, though, it was, it was a good time, and that's, I try to tell all the, anybody that asks me, I try to get them out for one of those competitions, just because it's easy, low threat, no movement. And that's how you get people hooked. That's really yeah. how you get people I mean, hooked. I, I think that match I shot was uh, Remington 700 
Magpul 6.5 Creedmoor. That was the rifle I shot the first probably six, seven months with uh, starting PRS. But, yeah, it was – and I'm pretty sure I, – I, I know I wasn't reloading at that time, so I think I was shooting – uh, if I'm a rat, maybe prime ammo or something. I had, somebody had told me that you know it was pretty good stuff, so I ordered a bunch of it, and I, I'm pretty sure I shot that whole first year just running prime ammo. Which you know, when you're when you're first starting out, you can have the most accurate ammo in the world, but if you don't focus on the fundamentals, it it isn't gonna matter. So um, I think it was it was it was it better to not waste my time. Uh, my time was better spent practicing than trying to do load development, and figure out how to reload for precision rifles. So um, it, it probably worked out in the end. It just it seemed like it was taking forever to to, to figure it out. Yeah, that's the same here. After that, in fact, I think it was after that match I shot that 308 and AR. I tried to convert. I, well, I did convert it to 6.5 for an AR, and I still got that. But then I went out and bought a Savage Stealth Evolution, like. The fanciest one I could find. Spent twelve hundred bucks, I think, on that. Shot that with an Athlon scope. And man, I wish I just would have waited. We we'll get into that later, but <laughs> I thought I was shooting. Man, I couldn't, I couldn't balance that thing on a barricade to save my life, just because it's so so rear heavy. I was I was fighting. I think my forearms would cramp up. <clears throat> but yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah, some of the stuff. And I was doing the same thing. I shot Prime. I had reloading gear from Alaska, but I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing well enough to do the precision piece. So I bought prime ended up keeping the brass and I was reloading the brass and put four or five reloads on like three or 400 pieces of a prime six, five. In fact, that's what I'm going to try and use for my six Creed coyote gun. I'm just going to neck it down and, and use it because I got so many pieces of prime brass in there. Yeah. Same here. I still got a ton of it. Yeah. So trying to turn that into my coyote gun. Like I said, get them. So you, what's the best precision shooting advice that you've received? Uh, I think uh, I probably received a lot of good advice in the beginning, but I was probably too naive to listen. Um, it's, you know, probably the best shooting advice is, you know, people would always tell you, like, try to buy the best equipment you can afford, you know, and, and don't, don't go to cheap route because you're going to end up – spending money later and you're never going to get out of it what you paid for it so i think if, if i don't know if i followed the advice but that it was good advice if i probably would listen to when i like i said when i started out it was i just wanted to get a rifle and get in the sport so it was like what can i buy right now that can get me out there shooting um and then and to be honest to this day i think the only thing i own out of that initial rifle is the bipod you know everything <laughs> else i got <laughs> everything else i got rid of and you know because it, it just it it works if you're just getting started it'll get you out there and it'll it'll start you you know building your fun building on your fundamentals and things like that um but i think if i would have just kept my excitement down for getting out there and just saved my money i probably could have built built a bit a better rifle to start out um, which probably would have saved me uh, a lot of time focusing on you know, getting, getting stable, things like that. And, and a lot of it was the rifle wasn't well balanced and, and things like that. You know, the stuff, you know, now, um, and the people that were telling you knew you just didn't, I mean, maybe you didn't listen cause maybe I didn't listen cause I just didn't, you know, I didn't know that it, there was that much difference. And 
um, there is a massive difference between something that's well balanced and set up than something you buy off the shelf. And it might not, it might not be that it doesn't shoot as well because some, there's some factory rifles that shoot pretty well out there. They're just maybe not that balanced for the sport as they should be. So I would say that's probably, probably some of the best advice I had um, outside of, oh, practice, practice, and practice. Like it's, it's, it takes a lot of practice to get better. And that's, so probably that's probably some of the best advice is buy the best equipment you can afford and, and practice a lot like live fire and dry fire practice so. yeah yeah see that's basically the same as mine it sounds like a cliche but slow hits are better than fast misses and it took me a long time to try and figure that out i was so worried about getting through the stage and getting all my rounds out of my magazine just pulling the trigger and now i finally realize that if i time out that's all right but take my time see my misses or at least follow through like I wouldn't even follow through I was just trying to hammer the trigger and get right, right. get get moving you know another one of the cliches is slow is smooth smooth is fast so it's the same thing it goes right there with slow hits are better than fast misses and then some of the others uh have a good zero good dope good data and then that gets you to your comfort level so if you don't have any any doubts or second guessing your your gear or your data is when I was loading for that uh, savage that was always my uh, I was always doubting it like you know what are my what are my groups looking like you know what this wasn't shooting that good the other day when I shot like that was always in the back of my mind now I've gotten to where I can I trust all my gear and I know that if I miss I know it's me so there's nothing to be upset with except for me what's one of your yeah. biggest no oh, go ahead yeah, I was gonna, you know, add on to it is it's. Uh, I think I think if you're giving advice to somebody that's brand new in it, I think it's you really you're, you're got to focus on the fundamentals to start out, and it's, you know, there's you're gonna if you try to learn everything at once, you're just you're not gonna focus on one thing. You're not gonna get good. You're gonna get better at everything, but you're not gonna get good at anything if you try to focus on everything at the same time. So I think it's, you know, focus on that getting getting stable or stability. Focus on your breathing. Focus on your trigger control focus on you know follow through things like that because it's if you don't have a, a solid foundation then everything else isn't going to matter so that's where you know the live fire dry fire practice comes in and, and really take your time and focus on those things until they become automatic and then then move on and start focusing on the more difficult things like you know wind reading and things like that so yeah. but yeah completely agree on that yeah. So we, we probably touched on some of it, but your biggest precision shooting regret? I am probably wasting money on equipment that uh, I didn't need. So I, I'm going to be honest. I probably have three or four bags laying around here that I bought that I think one of them I still have a tag on it because, you know, I bought it and then maybe went out and did a dry fire with it or something. And I was like, well, this ain't going to work. So, you know, it's – and, you know, the thing is, too, is I think – even since we started shooting, there's new uh, there's new equipment, new gear comes out every year, and it's uh, you know. So I think there's going to be some of that where you're going to buy some stuff, and then you're going to figure out something new because you know that everybody's adapting to the game. So all these manufacturers are adapting to the game and trying to make things better for the shooters. And so you will buy some things and then replace them later, just because people come out with new stuff. But there's a lot of things I bought and spent money on that I you know sold for less money to to get something better and um probably probably my biggest regret is yeah probably wasting money on a bunch of equipment i didn't 
I didn't need. Yeah. See that that's my that's my same too. So I've I've got a note down here just not getting in it sooner. Like I wish I wouldn't have went out and watched that first match. I just that's what I try to tell everybody that they want to come out and watch, but it's kinda like it's a lot like golf. Like you can watch, but it's not that fun watching to begin with. And then you just gotta jump in. And once you do it, then you start getting used to it and getting getting at it. One of my biggest regrets, just like you, I've got oh man, probably six or seven different bags out there. And the one that got me, I shoot, I like Armageddon gear bags. So not that they're bad by any means, but they they had some marketing on this this Armageddon gear Chinese cheater bag. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I haven't seen it, though. It's one, they have a YouTube video. Of course, all their YouTube videos are funny, their advertisements, but it's supposed to help you on the barricade. And I had that Savage, and like I said, I, I think it was so rear heavy that I would try to clamp in it with my forearm, and my forearm would cramp. So I was trying to squeeze that rifle down and keep it down so hard. So I bought this, bought that cheater bag, and I don't think I've used it but three times. It's supposed to clamp on there and squeeze the barricade to your rifle, kind of like the clamp systems that people used to use. I don't even use those anymore because bags are so nice now. But, yeah, that was my biggest – so that was the easy one. One of my others, my biggest regret I wanted to put on here is uh, – Right when I started, 18, I was shooting that Savage Athlon scope, like I said. And that was one of the pieces I wanted to get to was I've had a couple buddies, and I did the same thing, that if you're justifying to yourself it's as good as, then it's probably not as good as. Like, that's that's how I justified, well, I can see with this. And it, it wasn't even – don't get me wrong, the Athlon scopes aren't bad. I just had, like, this – the second tier, like not, it wasn't the bottom one, but like the second one up. So it was like $400, $500 scope. So yeah. I had that and shooting that Savage and uh, Shane Keeley in Oklahoma put on a, a, a open range match as a two day PRS match. And he was looking to give a spot to military. So Derek Love tagged, he was already shooting it. He tagged me in the post and I was able to get to leave, so I go down there. So that's the only two-day I've ever shot. And I was like six months into this game with a Savage and an Athlon and everything else. So this is getting into my regret story. So I go down there. We make a family trip of it. My wife and kids go with me. And they end up going, you know, playing around, which if you haven't shot a two-day trip, two-day PRS, this is like a $1,000 weekend. So when I first got into this, this is like – this is huge money. So – Shane actually offered for me to shoot his. I think he was had a Creedmoor or something in a, in a Jay Allen stock, and he was shooting a Smith and Bender. So he, he had a nice rifle. He offered. He's like, no, I want to take my stuff. I was reloading at the time because I had taken a class, a reloading class my brother and I took from uh, match grade from Derek Love. So I had this thing shooting like – it's shooting three-inch groups at, at 600 yards, at Savage, at 6.5 Creedmoor. So it's shooting all right. So we go down there. And I get squatted with – so I don't even think I've told you this story. I get squatted with Austin Orgain, Matt Rousseau, um, Craig Ray, one of the guys out of Oklahoma. And guess what I did for the two days straight? I didn't ask them a single question. I didn't talk to them at all. Like, I knew who they were. I wasn't really starstruck because I didn't – I knew who they were, but I didn't know who they were. But they're over talking wind and this and that, and I'm not asking a single question. So and I bet you shot really well. Oh, man, I think Rousseau won it. Oregon was, like, in the top five. And so I'm, I ended up getting the new guy. 
gets squatted with the best in the country and I don't ask him a single question. I don't tell, <laughs> I didn't tell him it was my first ever two day match. So that is my biggest regret is I didn't say a word to him. I know they would have helped me a little bit, at least just, you know, tell me wind direction or what, what they're seeing because they were all shooting six mils. So our numbers wouldn't have matched up, but I know they would have helped me out if I would have just opened my mouth and said, yeah, most of, yeah. you know, yeah, probably. Yeah. But you might've shot a little better too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure I probably, in fact, I took my stuff and I was in the production class. I ended up getting second in production. There's only like three of us shooting it, but I ended up getting second in production by like three, three impacts. And I was like, <laughs> I, I should have opened my, so that's, that's what I've got for new folks is ask questions. Like don't be which I'm not a loud person. I'm, I'm definitely not the loudest person in the room and you aren't going to, you're going to see me walking in everybody yelling my name and I'm yelling their name. But when you're a squad with the same six or seven or eight guys for two, two days, the second day, at least be asking some, some questions, you know, especially if you're only six months into it. Yeah. So I, I didn't say a word to them. I'm kicking myself every day for that. I had some of the best shooters in the, in the country. I just love the world. Yeah. That's, there's probably, yeah, probably some of that on my end too, you know, being, being squatted with some pretty good shooters. You know, we have some good shooters here in Kansas too, and, you know, shoot with them, squat with them. And it's like you, I think my problem is I've always been the kind of person who's trying to figure out stuff on my own because I feel like I retain it better that way. And um, I think I'd probably be a little further along right now if I would have just asked, maybe ask more questions in the beginning and uh, they probably would have sped me up and, uh, figuring out the game a little, a little faster, I guess. But yeah. So there's probably a little bit of that on my end too. Like, you know, ask more questions and definitely for new shooters, like get out there. Cause people, you know, you know, from shooting, especially here, you know, Kansas Precision Rifle Club, everybody's more than willing to help new shooters um, figure this sport out. So that they, they enjoy it, you know, so. Yeah. 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 I think people enjoy like <clears throat> Mentioned KPRC. I've asked quite a few of the shooters, even you as well. I think the the people you're asking, if you're a new person, the people you're asking questions, I think they enjoy seeing you shoot well, and obviously you enjoy shooting better. So I think it all around, it's it's good for everyone. Like everyone has a good time helping each other out. Yeah, for sure. So we'll go into what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started? I think we've kind of touched on some of it, just the, like the money piece, but yeah. what else? Yeah, I, was, I would say if I was going to add anything, I wish I would have knew how much it was going to cost. Um, cause I may have never showed up to that first match and uh, maybe not, maybe I, I might not be in it right now if I knew how much it actually costs because it, it gets expensive quick. Um, but I, I think maybe uh, probably in the beginning, if I would have known – probably recoil management, like how big of a deal that actually is. Um, and then the importance of being able to see every round go down the range. Like it's, you know, when I first started, I was like, I was squeezing off the trigger. And if I heard the RO yell impact, I knew I was ready to roll the next one. I didn't, you know, I didn't really understand the importance of seeing where your rounds go and seeing where they hit the target. And, you know, and man, I probably didn't figure that out for a while. But I was also shooting six five Creedmoor, and it was like damn near impossible to, you know, because my my rifle wasn't heavy. Cause I didn't even really understand the you know bouncing out your rifle, put a little bit of weight in there, 
recoil management. My policy was probably horrible. I mean, I, I, I kind of, you know, if I would have known more about that, I probably would have maybe my caliber selection would have been a little different. Um, that my stock chassis choice may have been a little different. Um, I actually started off with a, with a, a Vortex Razor Gen 1 um, is what this is the rope with the scope I started with was perfectly fine for the sport. Um, but so, I mean, I had the optic and stuff, which is, I didn't understand. I didn't understand recoil management and, and being able to uh, spot your misses and stuff on the target. Cause it, you know, really your first shot's going to tell you a lot of what you need to know, but if you can't see where it goes, you just, you just fired into the dark and you're going to send your next one into the dark also. So um, probably when I first started, it would have been nice to, and, and people probably told me that it's just, I, you know, you're, you're into a new sport and there's everybody's feeding you all this information. And you're just like, I just, I just want to show up and shoot. Like I, I can't, I can't process all this right now. I just, I'm so excited to get out there and shoot. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll miss 85% of the targets today, but I'm going to have, a, I'm going to have fun doing it. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was same here. I was shooting that six five. I, I remember now. I didn't think it was a big deal at the time. I'd hold on the target or where I thought I needed to, and yeah, sometimes it impact, sometimes it wasn't. But I know I was looking at the cloud when I was supposed to be seeing where it was hitting, just because the gun was so light, and and I didn't know how to manage the recoil like I should have. So yeah, yeah. I was the same way. And, and like you said, I'd buy once, cry once. I know, I know. Love told me that like four hundred times. Even in, even that reloading class, and since the reloading class, I bought different reloading stuff because it just makes it. You start getting into time is money and and just more accurate stuff. But and then I got another one yeah. is just, uh, don't buy all the hype like the Chinese cheater bag that AG got me on. So <laughs> don't don't yeah. buy all the hype with all the bags and stuff like that. Like it's yeah. and I'm not trying to to preach anything, but this is all stuff that I've done. So don't do what I've done. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's one or two bags. Now, anymore, I take one bag. I take my my Armageddon Gear Medium out with me, and that's what I shoot for a rear bag. That's what I shoot off barricades. Yeah. And it works. And I, I know people told me that. I know Dorn. Well, I know, a, I know someone just recently that bought a different bag and showed up to a match, and it cost them points. So I think it's, you know, you have to, you have to practice what the gear you're going to use. Because you, even if you switch a bag, you know, that bag can make a difference. I mean, it cost me, I mean, that person was me and I switched a bag and then showed up to a match and, you know, I just, it's not a bad bag. It just, it wasn't, I didn't really think about how it would impact me being able to move the bag and things. And it just ended up costing me, you know, four to five points on one stage just cause it. Oh yeah. That's because you, you couldn't slide it around. Yeah. It, w- it wouldn't slide cause it's the, you know, the sticky game changer and, you know, it's just, but I had never used one before. And the first time you use it probably shouldn't be in a match. You know, it's, it's you should practice with your gear. And that's why you, know, you say you use one bag. If, if you learn to use the gear you have and stick, kind of stick with it once you figure it out and not saying you can't switch to other things, but if you're going to switch to it, make sure you practice with it before you show up to a match with it. Cause it's, you know, just even switching bags can, can, you know, the stability of the rifle may be different because the material in the bag is different and things like that. So it's going to set different. It's going to, yeah. it's going to grip the barricade different. So yeah, that's probably, yeah, yeah. probably another piece of it. Practice with your gear and get, get good at using the gear you have. Well, just like we were talking the other day at the range, that those mediums come packed full, like a balloon, like a water balloon. 
So even though, like, yeah, I'm sure you could shoot with them, but even you and I both took a pound or two out of them just to get them where we yeah. wanted them. And then obviously we shot with them to see if that's where we wanted or put sand back in or took sand back out. But yeah, that's a great point to don't buy all your gear and just show up because yeah, it might, might turn ugly on you. And you would yeah. have been, that match four or five impacts. You would have been up there in the top five or six, I think. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I'm not sure. I have to go back and look. I think I finished between fifth and sixth at the match. So yeah, so you might have been yeah. on the podium even if you had five or six. Yeah, they might have put me up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure I would have hit those targets with the other bag, but it sure didn't help trying to you know slide it across there. So um, it definitely frustrated me, which you know I instantly went from focusing on shooting to being pissed off about the bag, and so my focus went away from paying attention to paying attention to what I should have been paying attention to, to like, why is this bag not sliding? Um, yeah. It's rookie mistake. Yeah. It, yeah I guess. Yeah. But you know, and the thing is too, for new shooters out there, it's, you're going to make those. The goal is to not make those during a match at all. Um, but I, I, I'm be honest. I think the first two years or so I was shooting. I mean, it, it was like every other stage I was making a mistake, you know, that I knew that I shouldn't be doing. Um, and it takes a while to work those out to where you have a match where you go the whole match and you, know, you might make minor mistakes here and there, but they're not like mistakes that are costing you tons of points. Right. Um, so you just got to work through those and keep, you know, keep, keep track of your, of your stages, what you, what you did wrong and then go, go home and work on those things. And so you don't keep making the same mistakes over and over. Yeah. Making notes in your match book. That's what I need to start working on. That's one of my plans for this year rest of this year is making notes in my match book. Like what, why did I miss that one target or those two targets on that, on that stage and then come home and work on it. And you also brought up a good point where I said, this is like golf earlier to where I played golf through high school. It's a little bit of competitive golf. So play a little bit, but you got to have a short memory. Like you get frustrated on one stage, you got to forget about it by the next stage. Otherwise it just keeps, I mean, it'll snowball fast. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. You got to, you got to let it go and move on to the next one. You know, if you're, if you're moving to the next stage and you're shooting the same, same direction, probably the same wind, you know, make sure you keep in your mind what your wind holds were and stuff. And then, you know, remajor to wind, do your things like that. But it'll, it'll give you an idea where you need to be for that first shot. But yeah, you forget, forget most of the mistakes you made because it's, it just builds on you all day. And then pretty soon you're towards the end of the match and you're not hitting anything. You're, you don't even care anymore at that point. You're just, you're just ready to fire your 10 rounds and, load up in the truck and head home. Yep. yep. So. <laughs> Been there, done that. All right. So a, a new shooter ask you about getting into precision rifle competitions or just precision shooting, precision hunting. What is, what is your first bit of advice? Um, I think if they, if, you know, if they're asking me what they're like, if they're asking me about getting into, I think my first, question to them like what's your intent or purpose you know like for it so um are you want to get into prs to become a better better at hunting you know or i guess and then and then how serious once you get into it you know how serious are you going to be about it and things like that because it really it really kind of you know really kind of determines which which way you're going to go with it. if you if you're wanting to get better at hunting obviously you're going to want to shoot a rifle you're going to hunt with in your competition but i think most people are probably getting into it for the precision rifle aspect so, um, but some of the things that I would ask them would be 
would be that. But if I was giving them advice, I'd probably say, you know, listen, listen to the people that have been shooting for a while because they're going to fill you in on a lot of stuff. It's going to take you a year or two um, to learn. Um, and before you run out and buy a bunch of stuff, you know, get you, get your rifle, show up to a match and borrow, borrow bags, borrow tripods, borrow, look through different binoculars, look through different scopes and, and try out stuff before, you know, you run, run on the internet and buy a ton of stuff that you're going to end up, you know, sitting in the corner and you're not using. Um, and then, like I said before, you know, try to buy the best equipment you can afford at that time. And it's, um, and then, yeah practice a lot but yeah and you know a lot of people say hey i just want to come watch a few matches and things like that and um like you said earlier the easiest way is just jump into it like jump in and start start practicing those two matches you spent all day at that you could have been you could have used as practice um so really you're two matches behind when you could have you could have been two matches ahead at that point so just just jump into it and and uh pay attention to people who've been doing it for a while and, and, and learn as you go but that'd be some advice I would give for sure. Yeah. And, you know, maybe even, maybe even jump in, take a class. Like you were talking about match grade precision earlier, earlier, you know, they offer, they offer uh, a bunch of different classes uh, for people getting into the sport and it'll, it'll get you, it'll get you going in the right direction early on. Yeah. You're going to save, save a lot of money just doing the class. Mine was right along the same. So how serious are you? That's going to be my first question. And another Another story is I had a one of my coworkers. He's actually one of my supervisors at the time, and uh, he wanted to get into it, but he wanted to use his hunting rifle or a hunting rifle. So I, my advice to him was get a Remington or a Remington clone of some sort because you can always buy a different stock and this and that. So what's he yeah. do? He goes and buys a Browning X Bolt six five Creedmoor. So. It's a good gun. It shoots real well, but he didn't like his, the plastic stock that comes with it. Well, how many stocks do you know of that you can put on a Browning X-Bolt? <laughs> Not many. <laughs> yeah. So he comes out. He came out and shot the Pro-Am with me. Not last year because I deployed the year before that. And it's got a box magazine. So he's shooting four rounds and then reloading from his pocket and from his behind his ear. He was stashing some. And that was, that's just another one to my point is just as good as is usually the telltale sign that it's you either you need to be serious and you need to have an idea of, of what you want because he ended up buying a, uh, oh shoot, he got a six BR, a bar line barrel. Like he ended up going all out and built a, a budget competition rifle. He went with the origin and a BRA. And then, oh, what's the, what's the other? I can't remember what stock he got. So he didn't have a whole lot into it, but now he's, well, now he's got a better PRS gun, but he doesn't want to, he doesn't come out and shoot any PRS with us now. So now he's got a BRA <laughs> that he'll end up taking out coyote hunting and stuff like that, but it's heavy. I mean, it's, yeah. it's an M, M24 barrel, like it's a, 13, 14 pound gun that he's hiking around coyote hunting. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I think I know who you're talking about and I haven't seen him at a match and 
No. I, I remember yeah. when he was building the rifle and getting all the stuff. And Yeah, you were helping us out. We was, yeah, he was buying stuff from right So, yeah. He was get, getting into it, and then uh, crickets. He hasn't showed up since. So, well, I think uh, when you when you were gone, I actually sent him a message a few times asking him if he wanted, you know, to hit hit some matches or go to some matches. And he, you know, he always had – he had something going on or uh, – <laughs> was yeah. it? I think he, I think he was uh, ignoring me a couple times. I think, so I, I'm like, I get the hint, so I'll, I'll leave you alone. But yeah, yeah he, um, that's the thing. he, he probably sell that rifle now. It's just, and that's that was that's my major piece of figure out how serious are you. So he, what would have been his best choice was the sticks with that Browning six five because that's that's what he's doing now is is hunting. Yeah, yeah. Wanted to get into it, and then I think he jumped in with both feet. In fact, he got his, he had his custom rifle built before I ever had mine because I had some hiccups with a couple of the companies I went through. He had his built before mine, but now I've got, I've got three or four times the, the rounds through mine just because I think he realized how expensive it was, which I did the same thing. When I first started with that, with that six, five Savage, it was 40 bucks for a hundred rounds of a uh, hundred and thirty grain burger hybrids that I was shooting, or it was 40 bucks to go shoot the club match. There were some times where I was, weighing it out to where was I buying a hundred rounds or was I going to shoot the club matches because <laughs> I was trying to do it as much on a budget at the time. And I, yeah. of course with kids were small. So I was like, man, I was trying to budget either I'm buying a hundred rounds and go practice or I'll go shoot the club match. And I, th- yeah. I think that's where, it, that's where it got him. He didn't realize how, how much it was going to end up being. Yeah. How much did it cost to, you know, you throw in matches, throw in practice, you throw in, all of that stuff, it, it adds up pretty quick. So it's, uh, and I, you know, like you're saying, you, you know, I'd probably tell them that, you know, precision rifle shooting is going to make you a better hunter, you know, because it's, I think I've, I've been deer hunting a couple times since starting PRS, and I think that I haven't missed a deer since. I mean, it's, you know, here in Kansas, it's, you can, you can get deer pretty easy inside 300 yards, you know, repeatedly. Those, those are kind of chip shots, really, you know, now, nowadays. Um, so it's, it's definitely made hunting, I, I maybe more boring than it used to be. You know, it's before PRS, I'd see a deer walk out 300 yards and I'd second guess myself for, you know, probably 10 minutes while it's standing there. If I should even try to take the shot. Cause I just didn't probably didn't understand ballistics as much as I do. I didn't have the right scope, you know, to, to take that kind of shot. So I'd probably tell them that too. If you're, if you're interested in long range or even if you just want to be better at hunting and not even long range hunting, but you just want to, if you want to make those two to 300 yard shots on deer easy, you know, PRS is going to make that, you know, a couple of matches of PRS and you're going to realize real quick, those are, those are, those are the close targets. I mean, yeah, those are the ones easier to hit. So, um, but yeah, it's like you said, the intent and purpose, cause you're going to go out and spend a ton of money on a gun and you're not going to use it. Then, you know, start off, go, go buy something more budget, show up, have fun a couple times a year and, and then spend the rest of your time hunting and doing things like that. Don't, don't spend all your money building something you're not going to use. Yeah, exactly. And I, I've gone to here, ask questions, pry, just like I was talking about one of my regrets shooting a, with Orgain and Brousseau and I don't ask any questions or anything. And then people are going to loan you gear. So like you said, go out, just take your, take a gun, take grandpa's 308 and there's going to be bags out there. There's going to be, tripods there's going to be gear to look at like you said and a lot of people if they have rounds left over in fact that's one of the reasons i bu- I built the rifle i built is i had a a match 
I went to a match in Spearpoint, and I shot with uh, Beamer. I was shooting with with Beamer Kate from KPRC, and he had a Dasher and MPA with a Curtis action, and he had like five rounds left. <clears throat> and I'm left-handed; he's he's right-handed. He had like five rounds left. It was our last stage. We shot off some rocks at some coyote targets. So I was into it already because it had coyote silhouettes on there. And it was five or 600 yards. And he had five rounds left trying to keep keep his reloads on the same cycle. So he asked – I can't even remember who else was squatted with us, but he asked us all if we want to shoot. Well, everybody else, they're like, no, they were all shooting six Creed or six Dasher. I was shooting that Savage. It's like, who wants to shoot? It's like, well, I'll, I'll shoot it if you don't mind. He's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. He already had the dope all dialed. And that was the first time I'd ever shot and watched Trace and saw where I hit. I was like, holy, are you kidding me? The gun was like, gun's like 18, 20 pounds, so it's way different for me. But he set it on the bag, and it basically points at the target on its own. Like, all right, I'm hooked. Yeah, so. yeah I got I to make some changes. Yeah, that's really what got So I'm shooting an MPA. I tried shooting a Curtis for a while, and. And that fell through because they were, that's when they were trying to do left-handed and I kept getting a two week deal. And so I switched up to a different company and got another deal. And then I ended up with the impact, but still shooting yep. the MPA and the, basically the same setup he had a razor gen two. Like that's, I was hooked, but that's really like, I ought to blame Beamer for making me spend all this money because <laughs> I shot those five rounds. Like, Holy cow, seeing trace and you know, exactly where I was hitting on the target. It was, that was crazy. Yeah, I think I, I'll I'll blame uh, I'll blame Derek Love because you know I I worked with him and then that's the only reason I found out about the sport and then here I am you know with a lot less money than I had three or four years ago so yeah I have to blame him for all blame him for all of it. But. Well, I have to make sure we tag him in this so they listen to this and <laughs> yeah. give some of our money back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but we can try. I, I I don't think it'll work out for us. All right, what else we got? Someone asked you about shooting, hunting, or precision rifle. And, well, it's kind of like the last question. What are your questions back? So, and I've got a note on here. So, one of my future episodes is going to be rifle-specific. So, I didn't want to get into rifle-specific stuff. But it's, it's kind of the same. You got someone that comes up and tells you wanna, they want to hunt and rifle. Like, what do you – what are you going to ask them? My, my questions are the same thing. Like how serious are you? How often are you going to hunt compared to PRS? He's like, you mentioned it. My, I have PRS rifles and then I have hunting rifles and they are way different because I'm not going to yeah. carry my, my 18, 20 pound PRS gun around with me hunting. It's just not going to have, I'm carrying my, my 10 pound old Woodstock Savage 243 because it's light and I, I don't care if I bang it around or whatever, but that's, that'd be my main question. Like I said, it's about the same, but just how serious are you and what, like, what's you're going to, what's your split? Yeah. Yeah. I think I would, yeah, I would add mainly their intent and purpose because there's a huge difference between a hunting rifle and a PRS rifle. You know, it's, so you're, you, like you just said, they're, they're heavy, they're heavier. So you don't, you're not going to go walk around, you know, if you go, if you go to Northern Kansas, you, you hunt a lot of draws. So you're going to, you're going to do a lot of walking deer hunting and you're not going to walk very far carrying an 18, 20 pound rifle. You know, you can put it, you can put it in a sling, you know, carry it that way. But eventually you're going to wear out because you're gonna also going to be in the hills walking and you're, you're later going to get tired. 
So, you know, it's the intent and purpose of why you're wanting to get into it. So is, are you wanting to get into it just to shoot some matches, get better, to make yourself better at hunting? Or are you wanting to get into it to focus on PRS, become a better shear, because then you're going to want to build a rifle that's going to give you the ability to compete at the highest level once you do get better at shooting. So it's just, yeah, I think intent and purpose is probably probably the biggest question because then you can't, you really don't know how to guide any advice to them until you know their intent. Yeah. My advice would be build a hunting rifle and build a precision rifle because that way you have both. <laughs> so they aren't, yeah. they, they can cross over, yeah. but they're not, Yeah. they're basically intended for whatever use. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, if you could take a precision rifle class from anyone in the country right now, who would it be and why? Oh man, there's there's a lot of good shears out there, you know, and it, and and I think if you go look at the PRS standings right now, I think probably four to top seven or top ten are from Oklahoma. So it's not it's not that far from us, you know. There's there's you know we I, I've been down to a foul board with Justin Watson's range and uh, shot the Battle of States match down there earlier this year before all the uh, COVID stuff happened, but. You know, he, he came up just recently and shot the Punisher positional here in Kansas and, and won that match. Uh, and then you have uh, Black Ketter down there, Austin O'Gain. Um, uh, I think Austin Bushman, isn't he from Oklahoma? Also? I think he is too, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's – those guys are – there's there's some really good shooters. Then you have uh, – you know, you have uh, Jake Dibbert. You know, he's – I think the guy's won like 30-something two-day – classes um i think if i if, if money wasn't an issue and i could and i, and I was going to fly anywhere or i could go anywhere take a class from anybody i think i would really because of his success in both prs and nrl it'd probably be jake like i would if, if it was anybody i i would probably go out and take a class for him and just from him uh and then you know it's if i was going to stay local and stuff i'd probably go through match grade you know here in here in kansas and yeah, there's there's some good shooters here in Kansas too, and um, so yeah. But if it was, if I could do if I could go anywhere, money's not an issue. You know, it, I would probably probably go out and take class from Jake. Yeah, you know, out there. So yeah, ours are ours are a lot the same. Of course, I had Vibbert. Of course, one thing was he's a lefty, so he's he's got to be a good shooter. And uh, <laughs> he he shot the IRO'd the Punisher in 2018. I just did this one in 20, but he wasn't here for the 20. I think he had one going on where he was at. But, and I just remember him. Obviously, he's lefty, and I knew who he was, but he was not in any sort of hurry. And his his first-round impacts, I don't know what the numbers were, but the stage that I was RO in that first day was, well, it was like an 835-yard stage. And he was – there's a, like a 66% IPSC, and he was – he was hitting everything on his on his first call. So just re-win from him. And like I said, he's not in any hurry. And you listen to his podcast and he talks about he'll time out because every shot he has a method that he goes through, follow through, breathing. Like yeah. he is just like I said, the standings, he's just good. I got Dave Dave Preston as well. He's he's been shooting for who knows how long. Yeah. And then I also had the Oklahoma guys on there. They obviously know how to shoot in wind. Yeah. Well it's 
I, I don't know what the wind – I can't remember exactly what the wind speeds were down at the Battle of States, but they were over 25 miles an hour both days. So and it, it's, it's windy down there. So they, they definitely have the practice in the wind for sure. So, And they do put on classes also. Like you said, uh, yeah, Watson it. and Streeter and Blackheader and Oregon, they put on – I think it's a two-day even they put on a class that – there might be a one-day, but they have all four of those guys. That, yeah. Yeah. I need yeah. It's – and there's obviously good training all over the country too. You know, it's, uh, I think if somebody understands the fundamentals and they understand, they understand what it takes to, to win matches and things like that. I think you're going to get good advice from pretty much any, any top 50, top 60, top 70 shooter in PRS, you know, and there's probably some guys out there that aren't in that top 70 that really understand the fundamentals of shooting. They just, you know, haven't put it all together yet. So, um, but yeah, I think those guys, they, they've obviously got something figured out because they're, they're shooting really well and they're, they're really good shooters. So if it's, yeah, if it's anybody, yeah, definitely, definitely those guys, they probably provide me a lot of insight that I haven't, I haven't learned yet. So. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like you said, you got Derek Love and Matt Howard that with match grade, they put on that a class here, which is the one I should go to just because it's local and I wouldn't be paying for hotels and stuff like that, but. Yeah, I got to yeah. some classes. That's I was holding off for the longest time. Like, I mean, they aren't cheap, but their their time their time isn't free. But yeah, and it, it's not that I don't want to take those classes. I've I've kind of focused my I guess my money and efforts recently on you know getting getting my gear, my rifle, and stuff where I want it. Um, and I think I'm I'm pretty close to having all of that where I want it. So you know, taking classes and getting better. You know, I'll probably start doing some of that stuff in the future in the near future, just to get, just try to, try to bring it all together. You know, how that, those guys will help me, you know, bring it all together and become a better shooter. So. Yeah. I think that's what I'm the same boat. I think that's what'll finally put it over the top or bring it all together for me is I'm, I've got all the gear straight. I think the way I want it and yeah, get the training, get those little pieces. Just sometimes it's just uh, like stage breakdown, like where are they trying to focus the majority of their time? And what are the, you know, transitions, right. stuff like that. Like they have a lot of little, little secrets that you don't even really notice until you stand back kind of watching and learn. Yeah. So what do you do currently for practice or training? Have you, we just kind of talked about classes, but what are you doing now for practice and training in your, your off time? You, we've gone to the range and, and, and shot together, but what are you doing other than other than yeah, I think I think one thing I started doing last year that, um, you know, I, I would go, I would go. So the first half of last year, I'd go shoot a match, and then, you know, I'd see my score, and I'm like, man, I've I missed missed quite a few shots, you know. And then but I didn't really keep track of where those misses were, so I it was hard. And then I would be like, man, I need to practice more. But then it's like, where do I need to practice? So I started keeping track of what type of barricades and things like that were my where I was missing my most shots. So one thing I started doing is keeping track of, I guess, maybe hit percentages off certain type of barricade or certain type of positions. And then I started dry fire practicing those. I, I live out in the, you know, in the County, so I can, I can go out and dry fire practice off, off a pasture fence or um, I, I built barricades. Like I had a PRS barricade. I built a, uh, uh, I just recently built a tank trap to, practice dry firing off of so um I, i'd say probably mainly dry fire practice uh, has seemed to help me tremendously a lot more than 
I thought it would. Like it, I, I didn't think that dry firing as much, but you really get to, when you dry fire, you can really slow down and you can focus on stability, watch your reticle, make sure it's staying, you know, where you want it or where your wind hold is. Um, and then practice, practice your follow through, your trigger squeeze, your breathing. And you can really just look because you, one, you can hear yourself breathing when there's not a bunch of other shots going on around you. Um, just slow down, do that dry fire practice and, and do it repeatedly. You know, it's, you go through it, you make some mistakes, do it again. I think I was, I can't remember who I was listening to on one of the podcasts, but they were talking about, you know, you go out and you do your dry fire practice. Um, you say you're going to do it 10 times, but it needs to be 10 times the right way, not 10 times the wrong way. So if you go out and you do it five times and then the next two times you mess something up, then those two times don't count. You need to make sure you get 10 full dry fire reputation or repetitions the right way. So when you go out, make sure you set yourself a goal, but if it's 15 dry fires, make sure they're 15 dry fires the right way, you know, not, and maybe it takes you 30 to get those 15, but obviously you're practicing something you're, that you're not doing well out of the match. So you should be able to identify what those issues are during dry fire and then make sure you do it 10 or 15 times the right way before you move on and, and practice something else. So I, I, that's why I do a lot of dry fire. Um, and then one thing I started doing when I go to the range too, is then, you know, you might've noticed when we were out there over the weekend, but I'll dry fire stage when I'm practicing. Like I'll, I think when we moved over, uh, actually both of the ones we shot up, I think we did a rooftop. I dry fired it once, maybe once or twice before I actually, you know, loaded up the rounds and, and went live on it. And then when we did the rocks, I dry fired that a couple of times, but, when I was dry firing, I was focusing on, you know, I was focusing on my breathing, my trigger, trigger control, my follow through, and then making sure I was practicing holding that reticle at the 0.2, wind. We didn't have a lot of wind that day, but everything were 0.2 mil wind maybe. But I, I just, I started doing things like that because they really, um, they really help, they really help me on the fundamentals of it. And then when I do go load a magazine and fire it, um, I already practiced it a couple of times and I got the little hiccups and things out of the way. Um, and it, hel it helps me realize where my weaknesses are on that. So not only does it do it for that day, but I come home and if I want to go out in the, in the back in the past year and practice dry firing, I know what little mistakes I made when I did that dry fire. Um, but that's why that's currently what I do for practice now. And with the, with the component shortage kind of stuff that's going on with powder primers right now, it's, uh, it's probably the most beneficial training for me at the moment because I, I just want to make sure I make it to the end of the year uh, and have some components left. So, yeah, same here. I do. I do almost the same thing. I, I'm considered county, but I got neighbors right around me, so I do a lot of dry fire. I use the little DST, the D fat training deal that you put on the end of your scope, and it you can uh, shoot. I think it's like 13 or 14 feet. I have my little deal marked out in my other room. I have a half barricade that I built. But the uh, things that come with it only, they're pictures of targets, of ranges with targets on them, but they're 11, like an eight by 11 sheet of paper. So yeah. I'm probably gonna switch up and get that uh, that indoor dry fire system that is the roll up like screen, just so you can have some some different ranges to shoot at and it's, and it's bigger. And then I wanna practice um, getting into positions and trying to, it almost be, getting in a position, taking one shot, and then get back out of position, get back into position. Did you listen to some yeah. of those podcasts with 
like vibbered and pence and they're talking about trying to get in position and get that first shot off in like 10 to 12 seconds. I think that's, yeah. I need to work on that as, as well. So I can even do that dry firing. So that, that might be one of these that I start doing. I'm doing, like I said, I'm doing the dry fire now, but just building, building the position and getting a, sh- a good shot off in the 10 to 15 seconds, 10 to 12 seconds. Um, as far as I didn't have classes on it, but as far as classes, like I talked about, my brother and I have taken the uh, reloading class for match grade. And then I actually, he came down here and we did that. And I went to Nebraska and, and took a long range class with him from uh, Heart, Heartland Precision. I think is the, is the name oh. of the up there in Nebraska. So I've done a, done a couple classes, not, that was all prone stuff. It was just basically like a basic long range class. So I need to start getting into the PRS stuff like we were talking about with, with match grade and some of the Oklahoma boys and trying to get, get some of their secrets. Uh, all right. This is another one for kind of the, the newer shooter. I mean, even everybody, but rate in a level of importance, you think the most important wind reading fundamentals or spotting your hits and misses. Uh, if I, if I probably rate them in order, I'd put fundamentals obviously first, because you did, if you don't have fundamentals or a good foundation, the rest of it isn't going to matter. So, I mean, you can you can read the wind right all day long, but if you're fundamentals, if you don't have a, a good foundation, like you, you're not going to be you're not going to be steady on a barricade. Your trigger control is going to be horrible. Your breathing is going to be horrible. You're probably still going to miss the target anyway. So, I think you start off. You know, if you're a new shooter, new shooter, you're going to start off. You got to build your fundamentals. So you got you got to have a solid foundation. So I would say fundamentals first. Um, and then on the next two, I would say probably spotting your hits and misses. And the only reason I would put that second is because if you can't see, if you can't see your hits or misses, you sure as heck ain't going to figure out your wing calls because you can't see where your rounds going. You know, part of part of being able to learning part of learning when and making good wing calls is as you're learning, is seeing where your rounds are going, and then going back and be like, man, I, I really miscalculated that. I'm gonna try to figure out what went wrong. Um, but you can't see where your where your rounds are going. I mean, you're not gonna be a, you're not you're not gonna be able to read wind very well if you can't see what your bullet's doing in the wind. So I would say it might be one of the most important things is seeing where your hits and misses go. Like it, it's very important to be able to either either see bullet trace or see where that bullet goes on the target if you're hitting the left side, right side, or if you hit the center of the target. Because um, I, I think you know as well as I do, you can hit the center of a target for three rounds in a row, and all of a sudden you're hitting the right side of the target because the wind picked up or shifted. Um, you need to try to bring that back to the center of the target. And if you can't see, and that's all about wind reading. Part of wind reading is seeing what's doing to your bullets. So, and then last, I'd probably put, you know, when it comes to wind calls or reading, it's, you know, one, watch, get on, get on your spotting scope, your binoculars and watch other shooters, you know, watch the mirage, watch the grass, the trees, the dust, you know, when other shooters are missing, which way, which way is the dust going, you know, and how, how fast is it moving? And then make sure you're watching those things all the way down the range. Cause you know, it's, just because the wind's blowing 15 mile an hour where you're standing doesn't mean it's it's not blowing five or 25 down halfway down the range. So it's that's going to affect, you know, your kestrel is only going to give you the value of the wind to where you're standing, and it gives you an idea where to start. Um, and I and I think if I add anything else to wind reading is you know you've measured target in your reticle when you first get down, and you know, you know how wide that target is, so you know where your room your room for air is on your wind call. 
So I think you make you make your best judgment. But if I yeah, if I put in order, it's probably fundamentals, spotting your hits and misses, and wind call reading. Because one, wind calls and readings probably when we we know wind's the hardest thing to figure out. So if you're going to start off trying to figure out how to read wind, it's going to take you a long time to get the fundamentals and spotting the misses because it's going to it's one of the hardest ones. It's probably one of the hardest ones to figure out. You know. Yeah, I I had mine the same in the same order. But I had a different you, – you've got some great points. I had mine in the same order just for some different reasons. Like fundamentals, it's just like reload. You're trying to keep everything as consistent as possible unless you're shooting, yeah. you know, support side. But, yeah, trying to keep your, your tri trigger squeeze and your follow-through all exactly the same. You can do that almost anywhere, prone, whatever yeah. you're shooting off of, you can keep that. So, And that – keep your fundamentals right then you'll be able to see if you're doing recoil management and your fundamentals, then you can, you can spot your corrections, which I follow. I've fallen for this when I start, I still do it sometimes that I'll get my wind call because my Kestrel is going to tell me exactly what I need. So I get glued to that thing instead of watching through my binoculars as, as much as I should. And then I'll go up. And I know I'll make a good fundamentally good shot, trigger squeeze, recoil management, and I miss off the right or left. And then for some reason, I'll hold the exact same again and send another one in the exact same spot. I don't make my correction. So, and I don't know if it's, I don't trust myself or I don't trust my call or what, but that's, that's one thing that I've got to get. And it, I think it works into that. I know my fundamentals are straight. Once I get off the, off the line, like, what was I doing? Like, why did I, why did I do that? <laughs> so that's, that's the reason I have them in there is yeah. The spot, spot your misses and then correct off your misses would be yeah, my, right. would be my number two. And then, yeah, when that's the, that's the variable that once you figure that out, let me know because that's, that's the one piece that gets everybody. If you get those other, if you get those other two straight, then when doesn't, I don't think when plays as big of a deal because yeah. you make your one shot, you got 10 stages and obviously you're going to have different targets and different wind calls. But if you miss your first, shot on that target and then you pick up your next two or three then you're doing all right because you're missing one one a stage or two a stage if you're moving around <clears throat> but it's yeah it's being able to see that and read it so yeah i had fundamentals spotting and then and then wind calls as well yeah. so that's all my questions um do you have anything you'd like to add or yeah i think i think if i added anything it's it's if anybody any like new shooters or whatever it's uh you know, if you really want to get into the sport, I think, I think the most important thing is show up with what you what you can afford, come out and shoot, and and have a good time because it, it's 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 a it's a fun sport and eventually you'll if you really get into it, you know, you if it if it takes you three to four years to get the rifle the way you want it, that's perfectly fine. Like you don't have to, you don't have to start out with the best stuff the best equipment and, and, you know, start, start works. These people that have been shooting for five, six, seven years, you know, they, they built their stuff up over time and they, they've changed their gear too. You know, they've changed from different bullets, different powders. They, they've figured those things out. So, um, and then, you know, no, no matter where you're at, almost every state has a local club, you know, here in camp, the camp precision rifle club here is what, you know, we're in. Um, so seek out, seek out those clubs, you know, and the people in those clubs are usually uh, they're usually more than willing to let you come out, shoot a match, help you do those things. Um, uh, 
And then like, like we talked about before, most people in the sport are willing to help you and show you the ropes, you know, along the way. Don't, don't be intimidated coming to a match because, you know, every single person that's shooting that match shot their first match at some point. Like they know what it feels like to be, um, for it to be your first, your first match. And then find anything else, it's, you know, as long as you're having fun, you're being safe uh, and becoming a better shooter, that's pretty much all that matters. So don't, you know, you're, you're going to probably show up to your first match and you're, you might finish towards the bottom, but as long as you meet those three things and, you, and your goal is to get better, like don't, don't focus on, don't compare yourself to people that have been doing it for four, five, six, seven years because it, they got a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of practice ahead of you. So, you know, if it's, if it's something you're looking and looking forward to, just get the gear you can afford, come out and learn, and then just take your time, you know, building building the equipment you need. So I think everybody that's if that's what I was gonna add, it'd be you know it's a really welcoming sport. You know, here in Kansas, as you know, everybody in Kansas Precision Rapid Club more than more than accommodating for new shooters. Like they will go out of their way to make sure you have fun, you enjoy it. So yeah, that's the same thing I was, I was going to say is it just, you got to come out. Like I won't, I won't throw their names out there because I don't want them to uh, feel like they have to help other people. But I've had two of the, the big names and you know who both they are, who both of them are. In fact, I probably mentioned them already in this podcast, but I've had people loan me their rifles just to shoot, especially there when I, I sold that Savage and like I was talking about, I had an issue with uh, two other rifles I was trying to have built. And that's finally how I got to impact. I had two of the major, major shooters in the KPRC loaned me their rifles. One of them, one of them didn't even charge me for ammo. He just said, come out. It's the last, it's the last couple rounds that are going through this barrel and I'm going to take the barrel off. I'm going to switch it out. Just come out and shoot. So I was shooting a right-handed gun, left-handed. I'd been doing it for so long younger it wasn't that big of a deal for me and i i might have finished mid-pack shooting another another person's gun but they loaned me the whole rifle, just give it to me the day before i went out and zeroed it give me a bunch of rounds and the other guy i think he charged me a buck 50 or two bucks a round which i was more than welcome to pay for and i yeah. even offered it he probably wouldn't even have charged me if i didn't offer i just give him the money instead and he'd give me his gun and these are these are five six thousand dollar guns that they give me the night before to go zero and, and do whatever I want. Yeah. Is every club going to be like that? Maybe not. And, 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 and at that time, they probably didn't even really know you. Yeah. Because you were new to the sport, you know, yeah. and, you know, which obviously I'm not putting out there to, you know, some people have ill intent and stuff. So, like, you know, the intent's not to put it out there and people just, well, I can go, I can go get a $5,000 rifle and head for, head for the border or something. But, you know, it's, if it, most people that are in this sport are good people. And I think the people that will come into the sport are good people too. So it's like you're saying, it's, if you want to, you want to come out and shoot a match and the only thing that's stopping you is, you know, you're, you're worried about the type of rifle you have or what it looks like or what people might think because you're shooting a hunting rifle or something there. Everybody started, everybody started with probably equipment that wasn't the best yeah. for the sport. And so, yeah, I agree with you. It's, there's people out there that'll, that'll get you a rifle to come out and shoot a match and do those things. It's, it's, it's a really fun sport with really good people. And that's, that's, 
just if you come out to a match, you'll you'll figure that out really quick. Yeah, every, yeah everybody was a beginner, so yeah. don't don't think that you're going out there. You could. I've heard of a a couple guys that I talked to them. They said they come out and they finish dead last in their their first match, but yet now they're at the top of the KPRC and shooting lights out. And that's those are the guys that I'm trying to chase right now to even get even, yeah. let alone you know. So one last thing. You know, Kansas Arms Supply, how do people find you? Uh, so, yeah, Kansas Arms Supply, obviously because I work full-time still. Um, I kind of started a year and a half or so ago. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, www.kansasarmssupply.com. It's an all-online business. I do uh, for, like, powders, primers, things like that. People pick those up locally from me. Um, it just doesn't really make sense at the moment to have a hazmat shipping license since I don't, uh, I don't really deal – uh, too much outside of Kansas. It is it's kind of picking up here lately. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's part-time business, so um, for at least another three to four years until I, you know, punch my ticket out of the military and retire from there. But, um, yeah, that's that's how you can find me. If you're looking looking for anything, I'll see if I can help you out for sure. And you got, you got, social, you got both social media and Instagram. Uh, yeah, no, that's right, too. Yeah, you can find me on uh, Facebook and Instagram, so. And it's uh, at Kansas Arms on Instagram and uh, Kansas Arms Supply on Facebook. So. All right, Chris, any, any parting shots? Uh, no, it's a good interview. Thanks All right, for inviting me on. So. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate you. The, uh, you were the guinea pig, so I appreciate you coming <laughs> on. Well, I'm, I'm, hopefully it turned out well because I'm, I'm not a seasoned podcaster by <laughs> any means. So. Yeah, me neither. So we'll see how, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. All right, thanks a lot, Chris. All right, man. All right, bye. Bye.